Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good afternoon, everybody. All right. Um, if we haven't met before, uh, my name's James. I'm part of the team here. I'm married to uh, the wonderful Hannah, who was on this. There were two Hannahs. I'm married to this, Hannah, and um, uh, it's great to, to see you here this morning. As you heard earlier from Andy, the, you've joined us at a time in our community where there's just lots of life and excitement and new things happening with baptisms and compass students and all of that good stuff. We had our uh, alpha team out in schools again this week where we had around roughly 100 people that got to hear the good news of Jesus this week. So isn't that amazing? Um, so, um, but I have one thing that I have to announce um, before I get into what I've prepared. And that is, I want to announce Wales. Has anybody heard about Wales yet? A couple of people? Yeah, great. Um, well, uh, well, <laughs> see what I did there? Um, Wales basically are going to be our new family rhythm of corporate prayer. Um, up until now, we've done that on a Wednesday night once a month, but we're going to move that to once a month on a Sunday evening, the first Sunday evening of every month. And uh, one of the things that we've kind of realized over the last wee while is that none of you actually see yourselves as being from Lagan Valley, right? What do I mean by that? Well, if I was to ask you this afternoon uh, where you're from, how, how would you answer that question? If I was to ask you, Jamie, where are you from? Thaxton. Thaxton. Oh, Upper, upper Balamakesh. <laughs> uh, if I was to ask you, where are you from? It's complicated. Okay, well, let's move on from there. <laughs> uh, Stephen Lynn, where are you from? Belsize Road. Road. My point proven, nobody says we're from the Lagan Valley. We're from Stonyford or Upper Ballymacash or Hillsborough, sorry, Royal Hillsborough. And um, what, I mean, one of the things that we long for is a people that would rise up and pray for their hometowns that God would do something amazing in these days. And what better way to do that, to actually gather in our hometowns rather than all coming here, to scatter from here and meet in towns and villages all across the Lagan Valley region. So we are going to start with three locations but our heart and longing and vision for this is that there would be many more locations um, over, the, over the kind of next wee while. I'm, I'm tempted not to say soon because we're kind of staggering our approach to this. But, um, but we do want to invite you into a conversation with God that he would challenge you, he would provoke you, that he would um, open your eyes up to maybe see what this could look like in your town or your village. So... We are starting on the 1st of October, like I said, and uh, for each one of those wells we have, we have a well leader. Um, for our Jamore well, we have Leanne Hill. Um, for our Magabri well, we have Emma Wilson. 
And for our old Warren, well, it'll be Hannah myself joined with Chris and Jenny. So we would love to have you along. We'd be so excited to see you guys there. On the run-up to that, we are going to be doing a week of prayer walks, which will be kicking off next week. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, we're going to meet in the three locations on the screen and we're going to pray. The Reverend Bothwell says all the time that we pray our best prayers standing up. Theologically, that is incorrect. We pray our best prayers as we walk, right? So come and join us as we pray this week, walk the streets and towns of our villages and contend for God to do something amazing in these days. Every move of God is always preceded by a moment of prayer. So come and join us as we contend to see God move in our towns and villages. So none of that has anything to do with what I want to share about this morning, but don't worry, we will get out of here soon because like I said in the first service, I skipped breakfast this morning, so lunchtime couldn't come quick enough. I'm sure some of you agree with that. Um, but this morning we are continuing on with our What is the Church series. And so far we've looked at areas such as service, formation, and worship. And today we're going to be looking at community. Community is one of those words, isn't it, that can conjure up an array of emotions. I wonder if I was to ask you this morning, what does community mean to you? How, how would you answer that question, or, or maybe a better way to ask that is, when you think of community, what sort of feeling, emotion, or memory comes to mind? My guess that in a, a room this size, we would answer that all differently. For some of us here today, it maybe reminds us of people that gather around us in our time of need, or maybe people that we gather with as we celebrate momentous occasions in our life. However, for some of us, it can trigger emotions and feelings we'd rather forget. Or maybe we have been let down by a community, or maybe we've been cast out by a friendship group. The reality is that community can be the thing that carries the biggest potential to hurt us, but it also can be the place where we find our biggest healing and greatest healing. Wherever you land on that journey this morning, I want us to begin our conversation today by taking us right to the beginning of the God story we have attached our lives to and to look at where community fits into that story and what God's original plan was for humanity. But before we go there, I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll, we'll jump right in. So why don't you join me, close your eyes and I'll pray. Holy Spirit, we um, are aware of your presence already here. Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning you would teach us something new. Holy Spirit, I pray that this would not just be information, Lord, but it would lead to transformation this morning. So God, we open up our eyes, we open up our minds and our hearts to you. Come and speak to us this afternoon, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So like I said, we're going to go right to the beginning 
of the God story. And look at the very opening line of the scriptures in Genesis chapter one, verse one. So why don't you, if you've got a Bible there close to you, turn to Genesis one, verse one. Shouldn't take you that long. Open up at the front, skip past the index. And I did this the first service, but I'm gonna try again. Um, <laughs> anybody that's kind of got there, does anybody wanna share that out loud for us? We're gonna ask you to share one verse, Genesis 1, verse one. Zach Carlisle, what a great guy. <laughs> Brilliant, yes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Some of you are wondering, James, there's no, there's no mention of community here. Where, where is it? Well, right here in the very opening sentence of Genesis, the word that is cho- chosen for God points towards a community. You see, the original Hebrew word for God that was used here is the word Elohim, which is a plural word pointing towards the very first community, the original community, which was made up of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The one God who we confess to follow and lay down our lives for is also the triune God who exists both as one and three. We sang about it this morning, didn't we? Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God in and of himself, folks, is a community. A community that relates in mutual love to one another. And it is love that is the key component to understanding this original community. I wonder if you ever thought about that idea that God is love. We're told about that in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. C.S. Lewis understands it as this, that love is something that exists within the matrix of relationship. It's something that exists within the matrix of relationship, which is to say that love exists within and between people. You can probably see where I'm going here, but think about it. You can't know or experience or show love outside of relationship, right? Because relationships between people are the very thing that create context for love to be shown. While there may be relationships without love, there will never be love without relationship. And just to labor this point one bit further, God in and of himself could not be loved without some form of relational experience and expression being intrinsic and elemental to who he is. If God was just one without the three, he would have to create someone or something else in order to engage in and express love. And even then, he could only be understood as loving, not love in and of itself. To say that God is love is to say that within his very being, there is an ongoing active exchange of love. 
And I believe that it is the Christian doctrine of the Trinity that best captures this biblical concept of a community held together by love. Now, some of you are wondering how you've ended up in a theology lecture about the Trinity. But basically, this is all a really long-winded way to say that, that we have been created by relationship for relationship. Or maybe a better way to put that is that we have been created by community for community. God has designed us to step into relationship with the community that existed long before we did of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this before that God has designed us to live out our best days within the context of community. Theology lecture over. <laughs> so if we take this though as our foundation that, that God in and of himself is a community and has designed us and invited us to step into that community and be in relationship with him, well, where does everyone else come into the equation? What does that mean for you and me? Well, the whole way through the, the narrative of scripture, we see God building community both with humanity and for humanity. We don't have time to do a deep dive into the whole journey, but there are some moments along the way that I want to draw our attention to as we continue to try and answer the question under the umbrella of what is the church, what is community? Now, a side note, I kind of see these two questions as the same thing. What is the church and what is community? Because you see, the church is not a building made up of bricks. It's a community made up of people. Church community can't be defined by a postcode or an address. The church is where we are and wherever we go. So back to where we were. So we've covered the first moment in our biblical timeline, which is the Trinity. Hopefully that will appear on the screen there. And from there until now, there's been a few standout moments where God has wanted to establish community with his people and for his people. So if we move on from Genesis 1, we see God create Adam, the very first human. And even though Adam could commune with his creator, God noticed something. In Genesis 2.18, it said that God noticed that Man, it was not good for man to be alone. God knew that Adam needed community with another human. So out of love, he created Eve for him to experience what the Trinitarian God already had. And if we quickly move on from Adam and Eve, we then see God throughout the rest of the Old Testament from one family, he builds the nation of Israel as his community. And when we reach the New Testament, God incarnate enters the story. Jesus, the second Adam, the one who would model a new kind of community God was going to build. You see, up until this point, God's community, it was kind of, you could say, exclusive to a certain degree. But Jesus came to introduce the new covenant which would introduce with, with it a new level of diversity to the community that God wanted to build. One of my favorite moments this year 
potentially ever in this community was a few months ago uh, for Pentecost Sunday. Uh, for those of you that w- were there, you'll know that uh, we, we wrote this prayer or wrote this prayer for um, our community. And what we wanted to do with this prayer was we wanted to have people from different parts of the world that are connected to this community pray this prayer in their own native tongue. And um, as I began to kind of write the list down of names, I thought we might have two or three. But actually, as I began to write the list, there was like 10, 11, 12 different countries represented in this community, different parts of the world, different languages. And um, as we began to have that moment where people prayed this prayer in their own native tongue, something happened to me. And for those of you that were there, you'll know there was just like, can only really be described as like a a holy moment, like something deeply resonated within my kind of gut and my soul. It was just like something holy is happening right now. And I think the reason that was is because it was was a representation of what God's idea for community was. See, God isn't interested in building a monoculture here where everyone looks the same, talks the same, dresses the same. God is interested in building a multicultural community, one full of diversity. And one of the projects that, one of the things that we do in this community that I'm proudest of is the All Nations Meal. And for those of you that don't know what the All Nations Meal is, basically we open up the venue once a month and invite people in to, to share a meal who have moved here from different countries. And it was about 10 months ago that we started this and um, there was about 40 people showed up to the first one there were seven different nationalities represented. We had people from Syria, Germany, Ukraine, West Africa, Portugal, Afghanistan, and the Philippines. And fast forward 10 months on from that, we've had 12 different nationalities and countries represented with over 600 people coming here to eat. Isn't that amazing? Can we just celebrate that this morning? Isn't that incredible? Thank you to the team that hosts that and puts that on. You guys um, are incredible. But something really interesting about diversity is that God's heart for building a community of diversity isn't just for now, but it's for all eternity. God isn't just wanting to tolerate diversity on this side of eternity, but rather he is wanting to celebrate diversity for all eternity as we read in at the end of our story in Revelation that it will be every tribe, every tongue, every nation bowed around the throne of God declaring holy, holy, holy. And I think that's what happened to me on that morning of Pentecost, that moment of just experiencing something that was just holy, it was, it was other, it was, it was moving. I'm sure some of you can relate to that, but I think the reason it was because we got a glimpse or a foretaste of heaven. We got a, a, a moment where we got to experience that together. 
God's end plan hasn't been or ever will be to create a monoculture, but rather the celebration of multicultural diversity. But hear me out. As much as that is a beautiful representation of diversity, we still have a long way to go in so many different areas. If we take a look at Jesus, Jesus modeled ultimate diversity in and through his model of community. And one of the ways he did this was by calling 12 disciples from different socioeconomic backgrounds to do life together, from Matthew, the tax collector, to Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who were on the opposite side of the income bracket as fishermen. But Jesus didn't just model his heart for diversity through forming a community that had different incomes. He also modeled what it looked like to pull people together with different political stances and outlooks. You see, for context, tax collectors were not the most liked people back then. And the reason for this was their political allegiance with Rome. Jews in general were against Roman rule and paying taxes to the emperor. However, on top of that, there was this group that really didn't like that. They were called the Zealots, a couple of whom which Jesus had invited into his community of disciples that he was forming. Zealots would have been classified as Jewish nationalists, and they were a community sect that took matters into their own hands by killing tax collectors as they seen them to be betraying their own fellow countrymen by collecting taxes for Rome. And now Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot into the same band of disciples. Why did he pull these two opposing people that hated each other to the point of murder? Like, if I was Jesus, okay, just roll with this for a minute, right? But if, if I was Jesus and I was, you know, the second member of the Trinity who had offered themselves to come and take on human frame to teach and show and advance the kingdom of God and then ultimately become the savior of the world. And to do that, I had to build a team to help me to do that. I'm not gonna pick two people that hate each other. Never mind two people that hate each other to the point of death. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense at all. But what often doesn't make sense to us often makes sense to Jesus. Jesus was modeling the new way God was gonna build this kingdom community which was inclusive to all. Jew and Gentile, master and slave, men and women, young and old, poor and rich, black and white, Protestant and Catholic, immigrant and native, even Liverpool and Man United fans coming together. On paper, the church shouldn't work because of the level of diversity. And we haven't even began to talk about personality diversity between introvert and extrovert, loud and quiet, direct and passive, intense and laid back. Some of you this week went to your first tribe week and left being like, that was so weird, those people. Who are they? Why have I signed up to this thing? 
That person was so boring. That person got me in a corner and just told me everything about their life. I don't want to know about their life. That person just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I didn't get a chance. You've heard the saying, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, we as Christians get a double whammy of that both biologically and through this community that we have joined, the church. You see, through Jesus, life, death, and resurrection, we have become the family of God, the priesthood of all believers, the bride and the body of Christ. And I think Paul describes this best in his letter to the church in Corinth, which we're gonna read in just a second. But I I know this morning there's been a lot of info, a lot of content. So just to make sure you're still awake and you're still with me. As I read this, um, there's the word one that appears constantly. And when it does, I want you to join me in saying the word one together, okay? So here we go. Just as a body, though, has many parts, but all its many parts form body, so it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by spirit so as to form body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of part, but of many. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. But God has put the body together and giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should be equal, have equal concern for each other. Verse 26, if parts, some of you were sleeping, you missed that one. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If part is honored, every part rejoices with it. A beautiful picture, isn't it? That sums up church community really well. And to condense this kind of second point down into something that hopefully you're able to take away with yourselves this morning, I want to say this, that Jesus has modeled to us what community looks like in the kingdom of God, eternally diverse and eternally unified through him, eternally diverse and eternally unified through Jesus. Folks, the church should be the most diverse community in the world, meanwhile, at the same time, being the most unified. The final event that I want us to look at is found in Acts 2, where we see the beginning and the birth of the early church. And uh, this was the moment where the invitation from Jesus to be diverse would be empowered through the Holy Spirit to see both Jew and Gentile and both master and slave coming together and sitting at the same table, forming community. This was the beginning of God's new community that would partner with him 
and doing what he was up to in the world, a community that would become primary agents of change, carriers of his kingdom to bring about the restoration and the renewal of all things. Acts 2 reveals to us the most important component to what it will take to build this kind of community that we've discussed this morning. So let me read this to you. Don't worry about turning there. I'll just glide through this quickly. Um, Acts 2, verse 42 to 47 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all, sorry, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right, this is an amazing picture, isn't it? Of church community where we have fellowship, we have prayer, we have communion, we have signs and wonders, we have the sharing of resources, we have the poor being looked after, we have worship happening day in, day out. But how did it all start? In verse 42, we see that they devoted themselves to one another. Another way you could put that is they committed themselves to one another. Here we see right at the beginning of the church, the most important component that preceded everything else was commitment. Everything else happened because of their commitment to one another. This community believed that the Christian faith wasn't just a once a week activity that you showed up to and and watched, but rather it was a way of life throughout the week and commit that it was a way of life they committed to throughout the week. However, there's always a however. We live in a cultural moment that is challenging this commitment to its very core because we live in a culture where we are being told to live out of preference. Preference Preference-based culture is, is held together by a story that says that we are the main character in our story and everything around us serves the purpose of making our lives easier and more convenient. Our culture has built an industry worth millions out of this as they have recognized for us that convenience has become keen. And when preparing this week, I came across... Uh, someone who had rewritten, got it right this time, I said rewrote the first service and Hannah corrected me, rewritten uh, Acts 2 uh, verse 42 to 47 and uh, it gave me uh, a bit of a laugh this week. Hopefully it will for you guys as well. So this is Acts 2 42. Someone has rewrote this as a, I suppose, a response to the politi- uh, cultural moment that we find ourselves in. They studied the apostles' teaching when they had time. They went to fellowship when they could fit it in. They prayed when they needed something and got coffee together every now and then. They were content without and had low expectation for signs and wonders in their midst. They sometimes talked about generosity but kept all their possessions to themselves. 
two out of five Sundays, they came to corporate gatherings. They didn't invite people into their homes and rarely revealed their hearts. They were largely irrelevant to all people and occasionally someone was randomly saved. (laughs) This is funny, right? But I wonder how much we can actually relate to this sometimes. This preference-based decision-making which leads to convenience, I believe causes one of the biggest hurdles that will stop us from committing to community. A good metric for this, uh, try on yourself, is do you find yourself asking these two questions when making decisions in relation to community? Is this convenient for me? And will it make my life more comfortable? One of the first times I realized I struggled with this was when I got married. And uh, some of you are sniggering. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe you guys, do you want to jump up? So, um, but yeah, whenever um, I realized I, when, when Hannah and I got married, I realized that actually sometimes I make decisions, well, actually all the time I make decisions on preference. And uh, we decided... Um, to, move, to fly out to Australia to see Hannah's brother. And uh, when we got there, we uh, were just loving it. Like the weather was amazing. Um, the coffee was class. And we had been recommended some... Can you turn this microphone off, Jeremy? Just in case Hannah tries to tell her version of the story, okay? <laughs> so we're, we're walking about Melbourne and we spotted this restaurant, this burrito bar that someone had recommended to us. And uh, so we stopped and there was a queue. So that's always a good sign, right? Of a restaurant, really long queue. And so we joined the queue. And as we're standing in this queue, on the back wall, they have the menu. So like, it makes sense, doesn't it? When you're in the queue, look at the menu, figure out what you want. And then when it's your time to order, you, you order, right? So it comes to our time where we've got to the front of the queue, I order turned to Hannah and she's like, I don't know what I want. I'm like, Hannah, we've been in the queue for 10 minutes. Like, what have you been doing? She's like, well, I, I, I kind of want, I want everything. I was like, well, you can't have everything. Like, you got to pick something. She's like, I tell you what, let's do this. If I get this one and you get that one, can you have half of mine and I'll give you half of mine? <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about here. So anyway, we leave the burrito bar, we find this romantic spot, we're sitting on this bench, and uh, I eat way faster than Hannah, so I eat my half of the burrito really quick and reach over to pick up the half of the burrito that Hannah was giving to me, and I, I looked at it, you know, like when a burrito's cut in half, you can kind of see what's in it, so I'm looking at this thing being like, okay, there's some salad, and there's some more salad, and <laughs> there's another color of salad, and there's some, I don't even know what that is. I quickly realized Hannah had picked a burrito that had no meat in it. Like, who does that? You know what you're thinking? So selfish of Hannah. (laughs) But, um, and what happened after that moment was I tried it, well, subtly I tried to put that half of the burrito back and continue on eating the one that I had picked. Hannah didn't really like that, so she didn't. 
It's like, James, like, what are you doing? Like, we made a commitment. Like, we decided that we were going to, like, we signed an oath. We committed to this thing that you were going to have half, I was going to have half, and we were going to share. Anyway, I made the terrible decision to continue eating the one that I chose. (laughs) And after a few hours of silent treatment, We got there. Look, five years later, look at us now. Come on. Amen. (laughs) But over the last five years from that moment to now, I've had to grow in this area of my life. If I had to continue choosing what I wanted to eat based on preference, I'd probably still be eating turkey dinosaurs and chips. But I haven't. I haven't, sure haven't. <laughs> I've chose to commit to sharing meals with Hannah. And over time, I've discovered my palate has changed. It's developed. It's grown. It's matured. And because of this, I've got to taste so many of the best foods life has to offer. And this is kind of like our relationship with Jesus and community. If our decision-making process towards community is dictated by preference, well, we only would show up and play our part in community, well, when we felt like it or it suited us. And sadly, when we choose to live our lives this way, we miss out on some of the finest things this life has to offer us. Some of the most beautiful and formative things for us as the church are hidden and waiting for us in community. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. Is it challenging sometimes? Yes. But is community worth it? Yes. When we choose to live our lives based on commitment rather than preference, we open ourselves up to much richer, fuller, and nourishing lives. Preference leads to familiarity. Commitment leads to growth. Why don't you stand as we um, just respond this morning. It wouldn't be us if we didn't create a moment for us, for you guys to respond. And there's three areas that I want to offer as a response around the three points that we've looked at. The first one is that that idea of how we've been created by relationship for relationship. Some of you have grown up with a story that has told you that actually independence is the prize. Independence is the goal. If I can get through this life by myself, I'm so strong. If I get through this life by myself, that is the goal. I'm independent. I feel like Jesus just wants to come alongside you and remind you this morning that the goal was never independence. It was always interdependence. We've been designed by a community for community. So if that is you this morning, I just invite the Holy Spirit to minister to you as we wait. Second response this morning is around the idea of Jesus introducing in the new covenant 
a new level of inclusivity and also diversity. And this is the one that I'm responding to this morning, that actually when I look around my friendship circles, because a lot of us here, we already have friends, we already have community for a large percentage of us. But when I look around my friendship circle, a lot of the people do look like me, talk like me, maybe wear the same clothes as me, watch the same TV series as me. And I feel like the Lord wants to challenge us this morning to, if you're in that position, to open up your friendship circle this morning, that we would move from exclusivity to inclusivity, that we would actually, that our friendship circles and our community that's around us would be marked by diversity because that's the way Jesus has modeled community. So if that's you, as we wait, I'm just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come alongside you and, and to minister to you in that area and challenge you. The third area is this, that um, I did have a different response, but this morning I woke up and just felt around just that whole idea of commitment over preference, that the thing that's actually stopping us from committing to community is that we've been hurt by community. And sadly, that's the case. The, the church is made up of broken people. It's made up of you and I. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. Sometimes we actually aggravate and even further hurt one another. And I do believe that yes, community has the potential to hurt you, but also it has the greatest power to heal you. The thing that once hurt you, I think God is inviting you to commit to again because actually on the other side of that, there's healing available. So again, I'm just gonna create a moment for the Holy Spirit to come alongside you and if that's you, to minister to you. So why don't we close your eyes, folks? And um, we know that Spirit's already here. He's already been speaking to us. He's already been ministering to us. But um, just a moment as... Tim continues to play. I'm just going to invite the Spirit just to come and do a deep work. If any of those three areas resonate with you, we're not in a hurry. We're not in a rush. We want to create space for the Spirit, the one who comes alongside to, to minister, to engage, and to challenge us this morning. So let's just wait in His presence.